From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, presented by a Cloud Guru, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, one of the big topics that we hear a lot about uh, in the news and uh, in the technology press kind of day in and day out these days as we're into 2018 is uh, artificial intelligence. And while there's all sorts of stories about, uh, you know, the, the coolness of the technology and, and sometimes some, some scare stuff worried about, you know, will we ever, ever have jobs in 10 years and so forth, I think the reality is AI is starting to become a really big part of kind of everything we do day to day. And sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. Um, sometimes it becomes embedded into the technologies that we live with day to day. And today I'm really excited because, you know, I got a notice a couple of weeks ago about a company that that I like to follow and keep up with. And one of the things that it mentioned was that they were embedding AI into one of their new services. And I thought, you know, I want to go dig into that some more, get back into what's going on. So very excited to have Srinivas Krishnam, Krishnamurthy, and I, I always put your name, so I apologize, SK, uh, CEO of Zugata. Welcome back to the show. Good to hear from you. Hey, Brian. How are you? Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while. You know, I, I thought it had been less than that. It's been uh, almost a year and a half. Give us an update on uh, on Zugata and, and the things that you're doing around self-improvement as a service. Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you for, for uh, the opportunity to be on your show. Um, and we've uh, I think we talked probably when we actually launched the company yep. uh, a, a little while ago. Uh, since then, obviously, a lot of things have happened. Um, but, uh, you know, Zugata is in the performance management space. And I think the, the vision for Zugata has always been that, you know, if, if you look at traditional performance reviews, they've always been a way to kind of look back at your past performance and give you a grade for it, which was tied to your, you know, your merit increase or whatever, your bonus or what have you, right? Mm-hmm. It was always a way to look back. Right. And grade your past performance. And and that's the process that everybody hates, right? I mean, you know, I probably talked to, I'd say, over 2,500 companies since starting Zgata. And not once did anybody say, you know, we actually like that annual review process. Um, you know, I think in in, in next to uh, filing expense reports, this is probably the most hated thing that we have to do at work, you know? Right. Um, and so it's just broadly, performance management has just been something that everybody does, you know, because HR needs us to do it. But Nobody sees any value in it, uh, and it's such a missed opportunity. So we've um, started Zagata to basically say, look, let's make performance management a more strategic initiative, and we can do that if we can focus on what the employees want, right? And the employees really, you know, wake up each morning, and, and they don't come to work saying, you know what, I'm going to suck today, right? Nobody thinks that way, right? Everybody <laughs> comes to work you know, saying, you know, I want to be better than I was yesterday. I want to get better. I want to get promoted, right? I want to develop, you right. know. Um, and so we are reimagining performance management to be something that is more focused on improving performance rather than just measuring your past performance, right? Yep. So we can proactively help you get better. Then as an employee, you feel like you're getting something out of the process. Uh, and so that's been the biggest focus for us. And uh, so we've been doing that. We signed up a whole bunch of customers. Things going really well. And um, as you alluded to earlier, um, we launched a new initiative a couple of weeks ago that's more focused on... Um, not just looking at the individual and helping them get better, but also looking at the organization itself and trying to understand the org itself and trying to figure out how can we help the org get better, the organization get better. Because the thing that we have learned is that 
individual performance is in the context of the environment in which people work, right? right? So the environment in which you work actually impacts your performance. Um, and so, so far, traditionally in the HR space, everybody's thought about performance management just on, at the individual level, and nobody's really thought about, hey, what impact does the environment have on individual performance? So we're introducing this notion of organizational performance management where we can understand things about the organization and kind of tweak that such that people in the organization can do their best work. Uh, so that's a new initiative. So we're you know, holistically thinking about performance management as a way to help companies create high performance cultures. Right. Right? That's the way we've been thinking about it. Um, and that's resonating really well. We've got a bunch of customers signed up. So things are going really well, man. Good, good, excellent to hear. We always uh, we we love to hear that the companies that we we talk to when they launched are uh, are doing well and and uh, continuing to thrive. You know, when I saw the the insights announcement, you know, it first and foremost, and we, we want to dive into some some stuff about AI that, that's sort of behind the scenes. But um, it was it was kind of a bold statement because in essence, what you're saying is like you said, uh, we we don't just want to kind of measure individuals. We want to look at you know how do we improve the company, right? Be be value adding to the company. And you really, you know, you set out with some bold goals. You wanted to improve company culture. You wanted to eliminate gender bias. Uh, you wanted to sort of better understand the skills of, of top attributes and or top performers and, and hopefully, you know, figure out how to pass those along to other people. How, how was that received? Because I think a lot of times companies assume like it's their job to, to drive culture and so forth. Are they uh, appreciative of, of a tool that's going to further give them insight to hopefully move towards those things? Yeah, I mean, each of those things are actually pretty big ticket items, right? I mean, if you think about culture, that's a huge multi-headed monster, right? I mean, um, and and I think, you know, when we talk to CHROs, the thing that they always tell us is, look, you know, we all realize the importance of culture, right? There's a lot of research out there that says, look, if you have a good culture, you know, success will come and all that, you know, the numbers all add up, you know, nobody's going to argue that, you know, a, a strong culture is not needed, right? But the thing that senior charges have always struggled with is how do you actually measure the culture? How do you know? It's one thing for us to like say, hey, here are the cultural values that this company cares about, right? And we'll put it up on our website. We'll put it up on the intranet. We'll maybe even print some poster boards and put them in, in the kitchens and all that stuff. And that's the easy part, right? But then are we actually walking the walk? How do you measure that, right? That's something that companies have always kind of struggled with. And so the fact that we're giving them the tools to be able to like track and measure this for the first time is, you know, is a great first step. They're like, okay, now I know where we're at. And if I know that, then I know what I can do to actually make it better. How, how can I align it with what I really want it to be? How do we make sure we're walking the walk and talking the talk, right? It, you know, as close as possible. Um, and so people are pretty receptive to that. Um, and then on the gender bias, it's actually very, very um, timely because there's just so much going on, not just in tech, but just across the entire you know corporate world in terms of diversity and inclusion, right? right. And um, a lot of the focus has been on, hey, let's make sure we have more women in engineering or more minorities, more about just the numbers, right? About diversity. Mm-hmm. But we're thinking beyond that and saying, okay, well, it's great to have more women and more minorities and all that, but is your culture inclusive, right? Will these people be heard? Because if they're not going to be heard, they're not going to stick around, right? Right. right. And so how do you measure that? How do we create a culture where such people can actually express themselves and feel like they're being heard? 
how do you measure that? How do you measure gender bias? And not just gender bias, so that's the first thing that we're doing, but even beyond that, right? Is there age bias, right? Is there ethnicity bias? And all these biases you know, exist, so how do you, do, how do you actually measure all this stuff um, is, is something that we're doing. So that's actually, you know, the feedback that we've been getting is that it's very timely, um, and it's something that is massively useful for companies as they think about, you know, all the different initiatives that they have in place to, um, you know, uh, around DNI or uh, just, you know, improving their culture and things like that. It seems like it's uh, it's the right time for them. Right, and I and I imagine if uh, if this is being embedded as a you know as a technology tool, you're going to get that feedback more frequently, right? So instead of a once, I mean, like for me as a as I've been a manager over the years and, and had teams and staffs and stuff, you know, one of the things that has always been frustrating is, you know, you want to have kind of constant communication with your team, not just once a year. Um, yep. But but the tools really weren't there to, to kind of have anything but just, you know, hey, we'll have a one-on-one meeting, we'll jot some notes down. But there really was never a way for people to have a sense of well, where, where do I stand? Or, you know, even worse, get to the end of the year, do a review, have to fit somebody in a bell curve. And then you're like, well, we've been, we've been having great conversations all year, but sorry, you, you know, you fit in the average because that's, that's the way the bell curve is. Like, I have to imagine more frequent data points gives, you know, more leeway and latitude as to how companies can, can adjust their culture and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you know, just like our performance, like a number doesn't define our performance, right? Right. And that's one of the things that everybody complained about is like, you know, in the typical performance review at the end of the year, they say, okay, you're a three or a four or whatever label is attached to that rating, you know? And people are like, look, I'm a lot more, you know, complex than just the number. You can't just wrap everything that I've done into one number, right? And that's the thing that people have always struggled with. And the same thing with culture and gender bias and all these things too. It's like it's you cannot just like give a number, right? right. It's not one score, right? And I think as you pointed out, it's also one of these things where it keeps changing over time, right? I mean, culture evolves. Your culture is never the same, right? Um, there's always inflection points where where things change. And and just from my own VMware days, right? As I kind of reflect on, you know, I was pretty early at VMware. You know, I think I was like employee 250 or something like that. You know, okay. at VMware. Yep. And that one was about 15, 16,000 people. And it's interesting how the culture of the company changes over that period of time. You know, um, in the early days, there was just a lot more focus on like, hey, innovation, right? You've got to like, you know, anybody who's got an idea, you could just like pitch it and get it done quick. You know. Um, and once the company gets to a certain stage, once it gets big enough, you know, big companies always tend to like want to protect against failures, right? right. So there's right. lots of checks and balances in place. So you can't be as much as, uh, you know, as a cowboy. Like you can't just like get any random idea built, right? It's just much harder because we have all these things in place that protect from failure. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the values and, and what we reward kind of changes over time as well. And that's reflected in the cultural values. So it's it's also interesting to realize that a lot of these things always kind of evolve over time. So it's not a once a year, it's not a once in every couple of years or one once in six months. It's it's always something that you want to be keep you know uh, to track and kind of fine tune and make sure that it is as close to what you want it to be. You know. Right. Right. No. Excellent. That's excellent. Hey, I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, sort of you know sort of from the the thing that people see from a, from a Zugata perspective to sort of what's, what's behind the scenes. And one of the things that jumped out at me when I saw the, the insights announcement was a, really a focus on, you know, AI powered, um, you know, insights and, and AI powered sort of, uh, trends of what's going on. And one of the things that I hear from a lot of different companies, uh, just talking to them about technology, talking about them about trends 
is they, you know, a lot of them will go, you know, there seems to be a lot of cool stuff that you can do with AI, um, you know, whatever, whatever aspect of they think is cool. And then they go, how do I add that to an application or how do I add that into something that we do? And so I'm curious if you can maybe help us at a high level. How did you go about adding sort of AI capabilities into a service that, that already existed? Yeah, I mean, I think even before we talk about the tech, right, mm-hmm. it's important for us to talk about, like, what the need, what problem you're trying to solve, yeah. right? And we're we're in the HR space where our typical HR buyers are not, like, tech geeks, right? right I mean, right. They, they've got a whole bunch of things that they're worried about. And the last thing that they're going to get excited is whether using AI, or BI, or CI. They don't, they don't really care, right? Yep. So the way we've always thought about it is what, what problem are we trying to solve, Right. And and what is the best way to solve that problem? Right. And oftentimes, like, as you pointed out, AI is so hot. Everybody's like, OK, let's start with AI and figure out, you know, what we can do. And then we can yeah. figure out what the case is. And and we've kind of shied away from that, you know, uh, the flavor of the month kind of a thing, you know. And we've always gone back to first principles and said, look, what is it? What is it that we're trying to solve mm-hmm. and what's the best way to solve that? And whether that means we use machine learning or whatever, then, then let's do that. But let's not kind of flip that and say, hey, we want to do machine learning and then kind of figure out what it is that we can do, you know? Okay. Um, and so I think in that context, especially with HR as a buyer, we, we didn't want to nerd out and say, hey, here are all the cool things that we can do because they don't really care, right? Right, right. It all comes down to what is the problem that you're trying to solve. And secondly, the way we've also thought about it is this has to be done in a seamless way where people don't even realize that you're doing machine learning or using AI or whatever it is, you know? You're just giving them something interesting that, you know, is actionable, that's useful for them, that helps them run their business better. Uh, but what's happening underneath the covers is completely irrelevant, right? So that's the first thing. Right. And so in our case, what we said is, look, you know, our mission is really to build a high performance culture. And in order to do that, obviously, individuals need to get better. And that's what we've been focusing on. But at the same time, the environment in which they um, they work should also be optimized to get the best out of their people, right? That was kind of the way we've thought about what we're setting out to do. And then when we thought about, okay, well, how, what does organizational performance management mean? What are the environmental variables that impact uh, the performance of an individual in that company? We identified a whole bunch of things, right? And we're trying to knock off, you know, or, you know, one in each release. And, and so the first three that we picked for the initial launch of our product was, hey, the culture of a company has a huge impact on, on people. Uh, and whether you're being included or not, you know, how inclusive, how safe you feel at work will also impact your performance. Um, and so we kind of start off with that as, as kind of the marching orders and said, okay, from all the data that we have, what insights can we draw to help a company understand its culture, understand how inclusive that culture is, right? And that's the way we kind of, you know, walked into doing AI. Um, and so I think that that's one thing that, you know, I would, I would caution listeners, you know, as they think about adding AI into their products is to always go back to, hey, what is the customer problem that you're trying to solve? And if you don't have a good feel for that, don't just, you know, jump on the AI bandwagon and just do something for the sake of doing it, you know, because it just won't work. Right, right. Yeah. Get, get back to first principles. Why are you in business to begin with and, and, and sort of work from there and yeah. make, makes a ton of sense. Now, um, now, now you're now you're in Silicon Valley, so so I, I think the answer is going to be a little bit skewed in terms of of talent. But give us a sense of of maybe 
partially the tech, but also, you know, the, the resources, the, the development resources needed to sort of be adding this type of technology? Is it, uh, are they becoming more commonplace? Are they still difficult to hire for? Is it still super competitive? What's, what's the landscape out there? It's, it's all of the above, Brian, unfortunately. I think it, it, it is, um, so it requires, you know, different skills, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, computer science is a very broad topic and people kind of specialize in, you know, all kinds of different things. Um, and so for us, we've had to build out a data science team uh, in order to do a lot of the stuff. So we have a bunch of PhDs in computer science from Carnegie Mellon who are part of our data science team. So we had to hire those guys from, you know, and build out that team. Um, and that's hard, man. I mean, like, you know, these, especially if you're in the Bay Area, right? I mean, Google and Facebook and all these guys are doing really interesting work, right? And they pay a, a ton of money, right? Right, right. So you're competing um, for folks, you know, with, with the likes of companies like that. So it, it's always hard. Um, but at the same time, the thing that we can offer, you know, these folks is the fact that if they join somebody like us, the, the amount of um, influence that they have and the impact that they have is going to be so much more than just being a small cog in the wallet, you know, in, in the wheel in, in some of these big companies. So that, sure. that's our starting point. But certainly it's wicked hard to find good people, right? Um, and, and data itself, I mean, the data science area itself is, is it's, it's not new, but it's, it's a, a, a specialized skill set. So there aren't that many people with that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it took us a while to build it out. And we've been working on this for almost a year before we actually announced our Zugata Insights product. Okay. Uh, so it takes a while. It, it's not easy, um, you know, starting with hiring the right team. Um, and we've actually had a couple of back-end guys who switched over into the data science team. Okay. Uh, and so that helped a little bit. Uh, but we just need to get some extra bodies in there who knew, like we do a lot of natural language processing, you know, type stuff, right? Where we're where we have algorithms that kind of parse written text and make sense out of it. And so that's the, that's a skill set, you know, that like let's say your front end developers they just don't have that, you know? Sure, sure. And so we have to hire people with that kind of background. So that takes a while. Uh, and then once you actually start doing the work, I mean, it's a lot of trial and error. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not easy. Um, and just the amount of training, you know, that we had to do to the algorithms to get them to a level where we felt comfortable with the accuracy at which they were working. It just, it's a lot of iterations. It takes a lot of work, a lot of data as yeah. well. Yep. Uh, and so it took us almost a year man, to, to get to uh, a state where we feel like we have something to announce and feel like, hey, we feel good about what this thing does, you know? Yeah. Now, do you, do you guys feel like that's the that's where the heavy lifting is in terms of, um, you know, sort of identifying or building the tech stack versus data collection trials. Uh, you know, training the system is. I mean, is the is the the training data collection portion really the the heavy lifting in terms of just amount of time it takes and and iterative cycles to figure out if you're right, or um, is there still a lot of work to just figure out the tech stack in terms of maturity? Um, it's it's both. I I think what you know, I was talking to our our, our team uh, before before this call. And what they were saying is, look, for small parts of the work that we're doing, there's a bunch of open source code out there that you can start with, right? Mm-hmm. That only gets you like 10, 20, 30% of the way there. Okay. Um, in, in one case, you know, for one of the, the things that we're doing, what the team was telling me is that, look, they could have picked, you know, any algorithm that's out there in open source, you know, already for a couple of years that was built with, with a, a different uh, context in mind, not necessarily in the context in which we're going to be using it, right? Right. Uh, so you can start with that. But we 
had to string together 11 different you know packages or, or algorithms to get to what we wanted to get at right wow and okay. so you can and pieces from elsewhere but how do you string them together in a way that makes sense for the training set that you have and and the field that you're in uh is is important and then once you get all this you know stuff together then you got to train that system right because it doesn't know anything about hr it doesn't know anything about you know the the field that we're in and that's where we spent a lot of time training the data uh and making uh, training the algorithms to make sure that you know they're getting good at learning you know that's where the machine learning stuff comes in right uh, and just tweaking the algorithms a little bit to like make sure that we're getting really good at you know identifying things that we need to identify, um, and and kind of also teaching the algorithm so that it can actually get better at finding the right things as well. And gotcha. all that takes a, a ton of time. Gotcha, gotcha. No, that makes sense, and it it it, it I think it gives. Uh, gives us a sense of, of kind of where where the maturity of this is. I mean, I, it's you know we we all see a lot of things that you know are very cool and and you know are on in a demonstration somewhere. But you know, in, like you said, in order to really get it into a context that is specific for what you're trying to do, uh, train it up, learn it up, so that you know ultimately, if if your end customer is not going to be a data scientist, it has to be mm-hmm. somebody who just says, I just want to. I want to go to a screen, type some things, and make stuff work. Um, it's it's good to get a sense of how much of, of the uplift is is needed to make that happen. Now, yeah. L- let me. Also, yeah, go ahead. Topic two. It, it, it all depends on the context, right? I mean, sure. so let's say you're trying to do something about like parsing movie reviews to make sense of how good the movie is, right? Mm-hmm. Right. If that's the space that you're in, there's a bunch of algorithms that you can like download and probably do something very quickly, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It, it's that's not hard, right? Yep. Yep. But I think making it more contextual to the stuff that you're in, um, the space that you're in, I think is 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 you know it doesn't translate easily. You know, right. yeah, no, and, and that and that makes sense. It's uh, you know there are certain things that are that are horizontal, but the more vertical you get, the, the more expertise and specialty you, you absolutely have to have. Um, yeah. and that goes across any industry. It's not just not just in HR. Um, yeah. Let me let me ask you one last question, and, and I think this will be an interesting topic. Um, you know, we see a lot of, of AI mentioned around um, kind of non-human centric things. So uh, algorithms that are trying to do electronic trading, um, maybe uh, things that are driving autonomous cars, they don't really necessarily, um, you know, impact sort of human feelings. There's not there's not a human emotion element that you that you get into. You really sort of, you know, buy or sell, uh, you know, stop or go. How much more complicated did, did your team, you know, feel that it was to, to start to do this around things that were more human centric as opposed to kind of non-human centric um, decision making and, and uh, you know, calculations and so forth? Yeah, I mean, it's that's a tough one. I mean, all these things are hard, right? None of right. them are easy. Sure, sure, right? sure. But I think it just adds an extra couple dimensions of complexity when you have to understand human emotion, right? I mean, like, you know, the thing that we do is we look at all the feedback that's been written about people, mm-hmm. right? And trying to, like, parse through what people have written about you to understand, hey, what are the attributes or behaviors that people are talking about when they write about you, right? right. Are they talking about you being a great communicator or, like, you're good at, you know, getting stuff done or whatever it is, right? We're trying to understand that based on how, you know, what's written. And everybody writes differently, Right. right? Uh, and so there's a little bit of complexity there. There's sarcasm that you have to account for, 
right? There's sentiment, there's positive and negative, you know, things that they say about you. So how do you like make sense of like, hey, they're actually talking about Brian in a positive way when they're talking about this versus they have a negative way of talking about the same skill, you know? Yep. So to, you need to understand that as well. Um, and so it just adds, you know, multiple levels of complexity to the algorithms that that, uh, that we had to write. Um, but it's just, it's all hard, man. And I think, you know, it, there are certain times when, you know, you know, when we're doing some, you know, uh, training uh, to test our algorithms, you know, there, there might there have been instances where we've said, well, why did it pick that as as a keyword or as a behavioral attribute of Brian? And it's really hard to go back and figure out why that was picked because it's so complicated. It's hard for a human mind to like take that many things into consideration and make sense out of it. So oftentimes we can't even quite figure out why all these algorithms working together gave us this as the answer. Right. Uh, and so that just makes it a little bit more complicated as well. But th that's just the way it is. I mean, it's, this is really complicated stuff. Um, and it, it's it's a bit scary where you feel like this is probably the first time where the machines probably know more than you do or <laughs> more than what your mind can actually even grasp, you know? Yeah. And well, it's sort of... Yeah, and, and it, I mean, you know, you're you're trying to to parse out the nuance between criticism and constructive criticism, and I'm sure there are you know regional ways that people can. I mean, you know, if I, I've had conversations with people from Boston that you feel like are the the most harsh conversations you have, and it's like, no, no, that's just their regular day to day tone versus yeah. something else, and and yeah, having to parse all those things out, make sense of them. Um, I, I'm sure the amount of insight that you're getting is is fantastic, and while everybody would like it to be perfect right out of the bat, um, it's going to improve over time. It's, you know, the, the whole thing of these, these systems is the more data they get, the more intelligence they get or the ability to sort of retrain them. So, um, yeah, that'll be, it'll be sort of a fascinating thing to track. Um, so give us a sense of where, you know, the, the, the product launched here just, you know, a couple of months ago, where are you along the path of, are you getting, you know, good feedback from people Are people beginning to, to start to understand what it can do for them or how's it going yeah. so far? Yeah, so far so good. I mean, we've already done uh, this kind of analysis for a couple of our customers um, and shared that with them. Uh, and we've got a bunch of pretty big customers in the pipeline uh, wanting to do this stuff for them. So we're just lining up a bunch of these things. But it's interesting. I mean, even with you know what we have, we, we were studying one of our customers and um, we were doing a, a bunch of gender bias analysis for them, you know. Um, and what we found was really interesting. We were looking at, you know, three or four different departments in, in their company. And looking at, you know, the way we measure gender bias is we look at the feedback that's been written about, you know, uh, all the people in your department. Uh, we pick out the list of attributes that people are using to describe you, right? Right. Um, and then we say, okay, well, we dedupe these attributes as well, right? Because somebody could say, hey, Brian is a strong communicator. And somebody else could say, well, Brian is really good at communicating. They're, they're roughly the same, Right. And so how do you dedupe them is, is an interesting part of our, our work. So we've done that. And then we said, okay, well, two people talked about Brian's communication skills. So we have a frequency for right. each of these right. attributes in terms of how often they were mentioned when they were, when people talked about you. So we have that for everybody in the organization. And so for gender bias, what we then do is we look at all the feedback that's been written about men and we look at the feedback that's been written about women in terms of the attributes that they use to describe them. Mm -hmm. And then we categorize each of those attributes that we found as either related to their work or related to their personality. Okay. Right. And so, so what we found with, with one of our customers is we said, 
you know, let's go look at each of these departments. And so, you know, in engineering, it was, you know, though it didn't seem like there was that much of a difference between how what percentage of the feedback was about their work versus personality. But in one of the departments, what we found is that when men uh, got feedback, about six, uh, 68% of the feedback was about the work and about 30 odd percent was about their um, personality. Mm-hmm. And in that same department, when we looked at women, almost 50% of the feedback was about the personality and, and less than 50% was uh, about the work. Interesting. And so, interesting. Just, yeah, if you think about that, right? And so we said, well, God, that's kind of interesting. There's just a big gap between, you know, how feedback is being written about men and women. And so we dug into it a little bit more. And what we found is that when we looked at the feedback that was most commonly used to describe high performers, uh, men who are high performers in that group, the top most commonly used attribute was that they had awesome job knowledge, right? They knew exactly what the job was about mm-hmm. and they're really good at doing their job. And then when we looked at the high performing women in that group and looked at their feedback, the most commonly used one was that they were well organized. Interesting. Right. And so we're like, that's kind of goofy. Right. And then well-organized was not in the top five for men. And, you know, superior job knowledge was not in the top five for women. And we're like, okay, these people are all in the same department and roughly doing similar work. How can you have such vastly different filters to describe successful people? Right. Something is off, you know. Um, And so we're able to identify things like that. That makes you just kind of take a step back and figure out, okay, what is going on here? Something is off, you know? Right, right. And, and that's the first time that this company actually, like, got that kind of data. And so they're like, okay, well, we'll need to look into this and figure out what's going on, you know? Because this is not certainly what is expected. Um, and at the same time, what, you know, there's research out there that says, look, when women get feedback, a lot of the feedback is very vague and it's not constructive, right? It doesn't really help them, you know, get promoted. Mm-hmm. And so sense we're kind of validating that in this group by saying look if people if women are you know the feedback that they're getting is hey you're well organized and and you have a bubbly personality blah 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 you're like okay well that's feedback but like how is that going to help me get promoted to be the vp of this org five years down the road right it doesn't right right, right? So how do we change these things in a way where men and women are getting similar types of feedback right that is constructive that is helpful for them to actually grow in their careers um is really what we're trying to get at Interesting. Interesting. Fascinating stuff. Well, listen, uh, SK, I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, you know, for folks that, that may want to get in touch with you guys, try out the product, sort of where might you be out and about on the road? Give us some some ways that people can get in touch with uh, with the team at, at Zagata. Yeah, um, obviously, we're going to a bunch of HR um, you know conferences. Um, so look us up there. Um, check out our website. And, and if you have any questions, you know, email us at info at Zagata.com and one of us will get back to you as quickly as we can. Very cool. Well, listen, this has been a really, really interesting insight. I, I think we, we touched on a bunch of, a bunch of things, and I, I suspect we'll, we'll have a, a lot of people kind of curious as to you know, how this impacts them in terms of you know, building their AI stack or even just building better culture in their, in their company. So it was, uh, it was fun to talk about both the business side and the technology side. And folks, with that, I'm going to wrap it up for SK and for Aaron. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more podcasts, show notes, and everything social media. And visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs.